0: Genesis fifty twenty. here we go I'm going to read it for us it says as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good let me read that part again as for you you meant evil against me but God turned that around and he meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today oh come on God's word is so good. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for for what you're gonna do um, this morning, what you've already done. God, I believe miracles have already happened in this room. You are a God that is just moving in this place. So God, continue to move as we hear your word this morning. We honor it with our time and our attention. God, speak to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. Um, I love this series already because everybody needs a comeback, right? And um, either now or at some point, all of us can relate to this journey that we're on because all of us need a comeback story. Um, If you weren't here last weekend, I gave a little talk at at the end, uh, just kind of um, giving us an update of where the church is financially and we had a need and you guys gave to it. Maybe Pastor Linda can, um, you know, tell us about that when she gives the offering, how the, how the church responded to the giving time last week. I think that's a testimony of God's goodness. So share that when you, when you get up. Um, and you know, I just, sometimes um, as a worship leader and as a worship pastor, you know, I'll say things up here and, and I'm like, gosh, why did I say that? You know, and, uh, you know, this morning when I was, I'm, sometimes it's so easy to slip into cheerleader mode I never want to do that. I never want to be that. I just want to worship. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. I just want to worship and be, you know, somebody that's worshiping in the house with you. And I so appreciate it. My favorite thing in the world is when, you know, a congregation, a group of people sing, and you can hear the voices above everything else. It's just a beautiful, beautiful Like God moment. This is his sons and daughters in unity singing such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you um, this morning. So I I love where we're at though in this series, the comeback king. That's who he is because today um, we're talking about coming back from dreams that are dashed. So let me just ask this question to kind of preface today. Has anybody ever had a dream in your life and you kind of saw that, you know, what you thought it was going to be and somehow that dream just got snatched away? That's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, You know, some kind of uh, comeback stories are gonna be, you know, I blew it, I needed to make a comeback. Uh, But today's comeback story is a little bit different road because today we're gonna talk about the reality of us having a dream in our hearts about how we think our lives are gonna unfold. And then because of circumstances that are beyond our control, that dream goes off the rails. So We're talking about a place in life where you're not in control of the outcome. And you know, at the moment, it seems like everything is going haywire. I mean, how many of you have been in that moment? I've been, I've lived in that moment, right? Everything seems like it's going the wrong direction and everything is going off the rails. And the dream that you were thinking God had put in front of you for your life, it seems like it's collapsed altogether. And I think all of us in some way can tap into that place. And we'll kind of walk through that this morning. And if that, but if that's you today and you know it, if that's you today, you come on the right day because God is wanting to plant a seed in our hearts. And uh, that, seed is, that seed is no matter what the circumstance, it doesn't matter the circumstance that you're in. God is still God and God is still for us. He is all the time. And, and, and hear this, he still has a plan to use you despite your circumstance. He still has a plan to use our lives, your life in a significant way in the story of, of his unfolding story in your life. for his glory so it does let me say it again it does not matter the circumstance (laughs) it does not matter the circumstance god is still great enough to use us for his glory there can be a comeback story for you and a comeback story for me and so uh, that's that was true of joseph and i don't know if you remember the character of, of joseph from the old testament in the book of genesis the very first book of scripture we're going back to today but joseph As a young teenager, a lot of young teenagers have dreams, right? You you remember, can you go back to that day? Maybe you're a teenager, you have some dreams in your life. Go back to that day. He was a young teenager and he had a dream. God gave him this dream. This dream came from God. And I think that's where many of us can tap into the story today because a lot of us have had a dream. A lot of us have been there. Sometimes that dream maybe was, you know, from when we were young, we kind of saw a path that we thought, you know, God was going to put us down or a picture of what our lives were going to be. And, you know, maybe we felt a calling on our lives to pursue a certain direction, an opportunity, a career path, whatever. And we were convinced that this is the way that it's going to go. It's going to go this way. And that this dream is going to come true in my life. Right. But then somehow that dream just kind of evaporated in a moment or in a series of events that we didn't see coming. So let me just back up a little bit in case uh, you don't know Joseph's story. Everybody track with me just a second, okay? As we go back, Joseph was the son of Jacob. Um, Jacob had 12 sons and Joseph was the favorite. Um, He was loved the most by his dad. His dad made him you know, a technicolor dream coat, right? Or maybe that was the Broadway that made that. Um, But his dad made him a coat of many colors. And Joseph was loved more than the rest of the brothers. And so already, He's not the favorite among the brothers because he's dad's favorite, right? Does anybody know how that worked in your house? Does anybody have a favorite brother or sister in the mix? Um, and, it, and it wasn't you, anybody here? Um, or, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of rough, right? And anybody uh, who is the favorite son, you don't need to raise your hands. You're, you're like texting your brothers and sisters like right now, you're like, that's me. Uh-huh, and you're looking at them and, and you just wanna remind them one more time, it feels good to be me, <laughs> right? That was Joseph. He was the favorite son of his dad. Um, but then he has this dream from God and this dream was weird because in this dream, Joseph saw that his older brothers were gonna bow down and worship him. And so a little, little bit crazy dream, right? And so here's the thing. Just a little bit of advice. If, if you ever have a dream that your brothers are all going to bow down and worship you, that's, that's, I guess, fine in and of itself. But I would recommend not telling the brothers if you have this dream, right? Because Joseph tells his brothers, by the way, I had this dream from God, and here's how it's going to go. Now, all of you guys are going to bow down and worship me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the brothers are like, you can understand how they respond, right? They're like, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. I don't think so. And, and so the brothers are doing what they do and, and they're tending to the father's flock and the father wants to send Joseph as a messenger to check on them. And so Joseph goes and finds them in a place called Dothan. Uh, you can read this in Genesis. I put the chapters um, on your notes. And, and at the point, uh, the older brothers have just had it with this whole favoritism thing. They're done with it. And probably, you know, the mishandling of the dream, uh, there was that going on too, where he's telling them, this is what you're gonna do and uh, this is the way it's all gonna play out. So when the older brothers see Joseph coming from a distance, they're filled with so much hatred, right? They've got this animosity that has been built up um, towards him, and they decide, we've got to take him out. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take him out. They've they've got him away from home now, and um, they can concoct any kind of story they want. The dad will never know the, the difference, right? And so... They started devising a plan. They're working together, they're they're doing the work. And uh, when Joseph gets close by, the brothers take Joseph and they throw him down in a pit in an abandoned well um, into a hole in the ground, a pit that would probably be um, theologians I've read in different commentaries as 10 to 12 to 15 feet deep, a dried up well, a cistern, and they throw him in this pit. And there's a little bit discussion going around as to whether they're gonna kill him make up a story for the dad, you know, do that. Or maybe there's other brothers that are kind of leaning in saying, maybe there's a different way to do this. And as they're planning what they're gonna do, a group of gypsies comes across on the horizon. One of the brothers say, hey, this is the best plan. This is what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna sell Joseph to the gypsies, but we're gonna tell dad that we found his coat. We found his coat and we'll rip it up. And you know, some terrible fate came to him. And so that's what they did. They sold Joseph. Now think about it, 17 years old being sold as a slave, 17 years old to these gypsies um, coming by. They took his coat, they ripped it into shreds. And when uh, they went back, they said to dad, hey, did you send Joseph? Because, you know, we found this coat and I think something bad happened to him. We found this tattered coat. And it says that Jacob, the father, wept over the loss of his son. And all the brothers, you know, they're tight-lipped. They're standing there with money in their pockets from the, you know, sale of their brother as their dad is crying. And, you know, we live in a broken world and some crazy things happen in a broken world, right? And we've, some of us, we've, probably all of us, we've experienced that. And anyhow, those, these gypsies, they take Joseph. And what they're thinking is, we're gonna, we're gonna take this money and we're gonna up the price and we're gonna make a cut off of this deal. And so they make it into Egypt. And in Egypt, they put Joseph on an auction block and they sell him as a slave to the leader of Pharaoh's rule, um, to a guy named Potiphar. And he was the captain of the guard. Um, he was an important person in his household. Probably not specific, specifically him, but somebody from his household buys Joseph has a 17-year-old kid. And they get him into the house and they start training him to, to serve. And but this is what the scripture says. And this is something that we have to hold on today. I want to point this out. The scripture says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And it says that several times throughout the story. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph in Potiphar's house and he rose up through the ranks and he had tremendous favor in his life and at some point Potiphar recognizes um, his potential and he made Joseph head over his entire house he basically said you're in charge of everything I'm in charge of charge of you can have the run of the house that's what he says And, and so Joseph has got God's favor on him even though he's been sold into slavery but one day as he's kind of been in this place as the story unfolds and many of you know this the wife of Potiphar walks into the room. He's been kind of scouting out this young teenager that had come into the house. And while Potiphar was away, what happened? She got Joseph in the bedroom and she made a move. And Joseph could have had the wife of Potiphar. You know what I mean. He could have. And, and, but he didn't because he didn't want to do that. He was an honorable man of God. And, 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 and he said to her, your husband has put me in charge of, you know, the, your entire household. And, but you're obviously, you belong to him. And so I'm not going to take what belongs to him. (laughs) That's not right. I want to honor him and I want to honor myself and I want to honor my God. And so he backs away from this opportunity, but she's beside herself, excuse me. And she's frustrated. And then she grabs his garment, right? As, as he's trying to get out of the room and rips off part of his robe. Then she starts running after him through the house, yelling, "He tried to take advantage of me." This woman doesn't like to be scorned, and she's mad. And now she's charging him with trying to take advantage of her when it was completely the other way around. And Potiphar comes back into this equation, and I think he knows. I honestly, I think he knows how it went down. You know, I mean, he think he can see Joseph's face. You know, this is the guy that he that he's trusted, that he's put in charge of everything, and I think he. I don't know, I think he probably knows his wife. And he adds all the dots up, and instead of just killing Joseph, which would have been kind of the thing to do, on the spot, he puts him into prison. And so here's Joseph. So far, all he's done is have a dream, right? He's young, he's got a dream in front of him, and that's just gone up in smoke. Anybody, again, ever had a dream that just evaporated right before your eyes? You don't need to raise your hands. I'm just asking the question this morning. First, he's dropped in a pit by his brothers and he's sold to these gypsies, sold now into this household where he finally gets some favor, finally gets something going for him and now he's falsely accused and he's thrown into prison. And in the prison, after a couple of years in there, there's a couple of other guys who get thrown in the prison and those guys, two guys work for Pharaoh, who's the most powerful person in all of Egypt. And one of them uh, was a cupbearer, one of them was a baker and so now they're in prison with Joseph and they both have dreams and they don't know what to do with their dreams, and so they say to Joseph, who's in the cell with them, we've got these crazy dreams going on, and Joseph says, I'm good with the dreams, tell them to me, tell them to me, and, and so they both tell him their dreams, and he goes, well, you know, to the baker, this is not so good for you, but cupbearer, your dream is going to have a really good ending, and well, uh, you know, we, we get to this point, the baker's like, you know, what do you mean I don't have a good ending, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to end, and I, and I, You know, I don't know how it all went down. I'm thinking Joseph maybe just told the baker. Maybe he said, hey, man, you don't want to know. It's just not going to be good. Or maybe, you know, maybe he said, I'm I'm, thinking the baker's wanting to know. You know, he's saying, tell me. I want to know what's going to happen. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're going to go back up, and they're going to cut off your head, and they're going to stick it on the pole, and the birds are going to eat your eyes out, okay? That's how your dream ends. Not good. But Mr. Cupbearer, over here, you're going to get restored. And you're going to be a servant right next to the Pharaoh, and you're going to go back up. You're going to have the favor that you had before. And that's exactly what happened. God gave him the interpretation of those dreams. The baker lost his life. The cupbearer got restored. And all Joseph said um, to the cupbearer was, hey, if you're going back up, when you get back up next to Pharaoh, can I ask one favor? Will you remember me? Will you remember my name when you get up there next to Pharaoh? And as the scriptures say, if you read the story, the latter part of Genesis, it says that that is exactly how things played out. The cupbearer was restored back into service of Pharaoh. And then the last verse of the chapter says, yet he did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So now, Joseph, I want you to think about this again. We've heard this, some of you have heard this story many times, but he's, he's down in jail thinking, any day now, Right? Any day now, the jailer's gonna come down and he's gonna go, hey, I've got a message for you. This doesn't happen the next day, the next week, the next month, right? And two years go by, two years after you know, that moment where the cupbearer goes back up into the service of Pharaoh, two years. Two years have gone by now and nothing. No memory of Joseph. Um, he's forgotten until Pharaoh has a dream. Now, Pharaoh has a dream. And this is the theme of the message today, isn't it? Uh, you know, God god is a dream-giving God. He is. He gives us dreams, and, and he's given uh, some of you dreams. He's given us all some kind of dream, and he gave Pharaoh a dream here. And as the leader of the nation, he puts a dream in his heart. And Pharaoh called all of his interpreters around, all of his all of his people, whatever they were, but nobody could understand or interpret the dream. And so... Um, one day as he's talking in frustration, he's just like, you know, no, what is, we don't have anybody in Egypt that can interpret this dream. Why, why doesn't anybody know what's going on here? And the cupbearer in that moment finally has a moment where it all snaps together and he goes, oh, wow, you know, we have a dream problem. And there's this guy, what was his name again? <laughs> you know, it's been a while, but there's this guy down in jail. And he says to Pharaoh, if you need help with a dream, there's a guy down in the jail that can interpret your dreams. In fact, he told me that I was going to be your cupbearer. And so Pharaoh says, get him up here. Now think about this. Joseph is 30 years old now, from 17, when he was dropped in a hole. That's a long time sitting in a jail cell. Joseph is called up into the presence of Pharaoh, Pharaoh tells him about the dream, and Joseph says, you know, with the help of God, he says, here's your dream. This nation is gonna experience seven amazing years of bumper crops, seven banner financial reports, right? And, um, so it's going to be good. It's going to be followed by seven years of the worst famine that you've ever seen, though. And, and God is going to want to prepare you for that in the seven years of plenty. He's going to do that for us. You can be ready for the seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh's like, that's it. That's exactly what the dream is about. It's, it's like it you know, clicked. And he's so blown away by it that he says to Joseph, you, guess what? You're going to be in charge of it all. You're going to be the man. I mean, you figured out what's going on. God has given you the ability to understand what's happening, so I'm going to make you second man of all of Egypt, and you're going to prepare us as a nation going through the seven years of plenty and getting us ready for the seven years of famine. It's going to be you, Joseph. And that's exactly what began to happen. And Joseph is now in charge of a nation under Pharaoh, and he's running the country as the famine hits, and now into the years of leanness, that famine is not only in Egypt, but it's in all of the countries of the world. And eventually, that famine makes its way out to Canaan, where Joseph's family comes from. And eventually, Joseph's family farm is all dried up. And eventually, Joseph's family says, we're going to die if we don't change our situation. Right? And they've heard rumors that there's food in Egypt. And so his brothers come to Egypt asking for a handout so they can live and guess whom they come to. <laughs> they meet Joseph. They don't know it's him. It's been years since they last seen him at the bottom of a pit. They don't recognize him against the regal rule and all the trappings you know, in the room. They can't even actually get close to recognize him because he's on a platform. He's, he's raised up, right? But he's now in charge of them and he sees them when they don't see him and Joseph sees that, you know what he sees? This is the plan of God unfolding. Isn't it amazing to think that Joseph had gone through this whole story? He's 30 years old now, but at the end of the story, Joseph has the perspective to understand that God has been working in his life the whole time. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. He's been working the whole time. And I don't know how you relate to a guy. Here's the thing. I don't know how you relate to a guy back in Genesis, you know, put in a pit, sold to the Gypsies, loaded uh, into slavery in Potiphar's house and then betrayed and put in prison and forgotten, but I think all of us can relate in some way to the story. Let me, so let me ask it another way. I mean, has anybody here at any point, no show of hands necessary, but let me ask these questions. Everybody, anybody ever been abandoned? Have you been abandoned? Anybody here ever been left behind? Anybody here ever been sold out? You know, you, maybe you didn't get literally dropped in a hole, but that's exactly what you felt like—you were sold out. Anybody here ever ended up in a dry hole? Now, I, I think it's interesting that this well was dry. Anybody in a place where your hopes have run dry? Anybody in a place where 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 the money ran dry? Hello, <laughs> where your heart ran dry? Or, or maybe you just ended up in a whole season that was dry. Anybody ever been falsely accused? Anybody been stabbed in the back? Anybody get promoted, but somebody else came in and they undercut you? <laughs> right? It doesn't feel good. Anybody, anybody here, you were on a track, but somebody said something about you that wasn't true? They said something about you that wasn't true, and anybody here that, you know, you just got things going in the right direction, then somebody else comes in, something said, something happened, and a meeting went down, and all of a sudden, you were out, and they were in? It, 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 it just didn't go down the way you thought it would, right? It didn't go down. That's the story of Joseph. That's the story. When all the hard work, think about it. All the hard work, he's, he's been, like, in the place of leadership in Potiphar's house, back in the jail, even when all these things had gone wrong, all of it was pulled out from under him again, right? Is there anybody that can relate to the fact that he was just forgotten? They forgot about him down in the pit or the jail cell? He was forgotten. Is there anybody that can relate to that today? What about that sense of, it seems like everybody else is going ahead and it seems like everybody you know, else is, is making it and I'm just getting left behind. <laughs> it seems like everybody else gets recognized but nobody else notices me or sees what's going on in my life. I feel like somehow life has moved on and that you've been forgotten. That's exactly the place that Joseph was. But Joseph never lost hope. He never lost hope of God's work in his life. So here's the thing. There's several things that we can pull out of the story of Joseph, and then we can inject them into our circumstances when this happens to us, when your dreams sort of go to completely off the rails, if you've ever been there, and I think there's probably some of us in the room today that happens. And so the first one's this. I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. Um, What can we learn from this? Joseph understood, we've preached this a lot here at Destiny, that the overall purpose of his life was to be a part of God's plan for the world. Can you get around that with me today? Can we just start there? <laughs> that, that was kind of the start for Joseph. He knew his purpose. That Joseph somehow understood that the purpose of his life was bigger than simply playing out a dream that he thought was gonna go a certain way, right? It didn't make sense for how things work that he was here on earth to be part of a bigger story of God's story and that he knew that his purpose on earth was to be a part of giving glory to God. I mean, that was kind of, that's it. And, and the life that God had given him, that was it. And this is the game changer for Joseph and it's a game changer for you. and It's a game changer for me that, that my purpose, because here, here's the thing. If I asked you what is your dream? And you said, well, my dream is to go to school. My dream is you know, to, to be in this occupation. My dream is to you know, get this degree. My degree is to marry this guy. My degree, my dream is to move to a, a certain city, go to a certain place, do this thing. My dream is to kind of create this certain kind of movement. You know, all of those things, that's great. God gives us dreams, they're dreams. And we all have those dreams, but we have all come to a place in our life. We need to come to a place in our life where we say, there's a bigger dream for me. There's a bigger all encompass. It's bigger than making money. It's bigger than, you know, any kind of business move. It's bigger than starting a family. It's bigger than living in a certain city. My dream is that my life will count for the glory of God. That's it. That's the big purpose in my life, that my life would be lived for his glory. The one who gave me life. That's my overriding dream. I don't know if there's anybody with me this morning, but that's it. (laughs) And so now if we don't have that in our lives, then we're in trouble because all of our smaller dreams are subject to change, right? And when that happens, dreams are dashed. But that overarching dream never has to change in our lives. And somehow Joseph understood that. He understood that there was a bigger principle at play in his life, even when he got thrown into the pit at 17 years old. And and so I wanna see that at the end of the story with me. Genesis chapter 50. I think it might be one of the most powerful passages in all of scripture. You know, what has happened at the end of the story is that Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, right? And it's amazing how it plays out. I'd, I'd really encourage you to just go and read the whole story of Joseph in these last chapters of Genesis. But he, he wants his brothers eventually to get the whole family to come to Egypt so they're fed so that they're safe and he wants his dad to be taken care of, right? And so he, he plays a little trick on, him, on them. They don't know what's going on. And eventually the whole family shows up and when they do, he reveals himself to his brothers and he lets them get close enough to him and he's reunited with his dad. So imagine this moment, talk about a comeback, right? He hasn't seen his dad for how many years? His dad still has the tattered coat from 13 years ago, but now he sees his son is alive. And so there's a comeback in that, and there's a reunion in that. And and what the brothers are thinking is as long as dad is alive, we're good, because he'll be kind of a buffer for between us and Joseph. But man, dad's getting old, and when dad is gone, we are finished. (laughs) That's what's going on in their minds. And so eventually... Jacob dies, and when Jacob dies, the brothers are freaking out. And we see this in chapter 50, verse 15. This is what it says. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they say, uh, they said this, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph. Here comes, here comes a plan, a new little plan that they're concocting. They're, they're saying that he, um, he, you know, he said to Joseph, please forgive the trans- transgressions of your brothers. They're saying that their dad said this and their sin because they did evil to you because they treated you so badly. Anybody ever pulled that on your brother or sister? Your mom said, <laughs> Mom or dad aren't around so you say, oh, by the way, mom said that all the cookies are for me. <laughs> right? You, wouldn't, you would never do that. But these guys, they thought, you know, well, we'll just act as if dad said it and maybe Joseph will go along with it. And he keeps on going. And it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him when he told him about um, his father. He didn't weep over their message. He wept because he loved his dad. Verse 18, it says, his brothers also came and fell down before him. Wasn't that a part of a dream that we heard earlier? His brothers came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Now, you're thinking what I'm thinking. You're thinking, yes, you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You, I remember now, I think I had a dream. I think I, I did have a dream. And in that dream, I think I remember this moment. I think, I think you all bowed down and, oh, look, you're bowing down right now. And you're saying that you're servants to me. Oh, well, hello, isn't this interesting, right? <laughs> How this is all playing out. Now, Joseph is broken up in this moment. He's crying because he loved his dad and he's mourning that. And he he was thinking on a bigger story level than what his brothers had done to him and what they couldn't understand. And so they said, We're your slaves, but but Joseph didn't say, You're right, you are. He didn't say that. Um, he, He look at what he said. Joseph said to them, Do not fear. In other words, don't be afraid of me in this situation. Do not fear. And then he asked a question. He says, am I in the place of God? In in other words, he said, do you guys see what I'm seeing here? Because you don't need to fear my position or my power, or the fact that I've made a grand comeback because I'm in the place that God put me. I'm just in the place that God put me. And he said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You see that in the story? You meant evil against me, but God turned it around for for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive. Do you see that in the story too? Because Joseph was there, many people lived and, and they didn't die as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I don't really know of more powerful words in scripture spoken by a mortal man You know, uh, we know that the God man said some amazing things, Jesus himself in scripture, but Joseph is a person like you and me. And Joseph was so in touch with the fact that God was sovereign over his life that he said something like this, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Oh, I love it. You meant evil against me, but God turned it around and look at my story. I mean, how, how many of us can and should say that about our life? All of us, you know, how do you, how do you get to that place? How do you get to the place to say, you meant this for evil against me, but I believe God intended it for good. What he's saying is there is a sovereign God over all of the affairs of the world, and there's a sovereign God over the affairs of my life. You are not in charge of me. God is in charge of me. Circumstances are not in charge of me. Whatever's happened in my life, God is the God of my life and what you meant for evil God intended for good the whole time. He never lost sight of the fact that God loved him, that God had a purpose for him in him, and that God was still using him to bring glory to himself and salvation to many people. So, this is a powerful powerful way to live uh, it doesn't matter that, you know, we've, we live defeated by the circumstances. It, it, it doesn't mean that we live defeated by the, the circumstances. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that when something comes our way that we don't do our very best to right or wrong and to seek justice or to find a cure. It doesn't mean that. It just means that in the process, in the circumstance, we understand that God is in charge. That's what it means. God is in charge of our lives. And so, you know, what, what happens when you get dropped into a pit? That's what we're asking this morning. Or when you get sold to the gypsies or when you get sold into somebody's house and you work yourself to death just to raise yourself up and they get falsely accused and thrown in jail. What happens to you? And so what happens is the enemy comes right to the door and he says, you know what? God doesn't love you anymore. He's forgotten you. God doesn't have any plans for you. And we bail out sometimes on the plan of God. And what Joseph is saying is don't bail out on God. Don't bail out because even in the pit, God has a plan. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when you're abandoned, God is on the scene. Even when you cannot see it with your own eyes, God is always doing something. And what what we would call, you know, maybe the 13 lost years of Joseph's life, now we're looking back through the lens of the grace of God in history. And as we see it now, those were 13 saving years in Joseph's life right? And and so the very work of God was happening in those 13 years, not only to save Joseph's life, but to save the lives of his entire family and to save many, 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 many people in the whole country. If you can get a hold of that one idea, that my purpose in life, it it frees us from feeling like we have to be God over the circumstance. It does. This is the, I mean, this is it because the truth of the matter is a lot of times we can't change the circumstance, The circumstance is there, but we do have control over a decision to fully trust our lives to him. And he's a loving God, and he's a faithful God. We do have control over that. So last week, we talked about the thief on the cross. Remember that that comeback story? In his last breath, he called out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise. And then Luke, as he writes this in Luke 23, the next chapter of that story unfolds. And it says that darkness had covered the earth. And for the next part of that day, Jesus hung on the cross and darkness, you know, covers everything around him. And his, the only thing that Luke records after that is this, is Jesus says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So you understand with that verse that Jesus is very close to us when dreams look like they're going off the rails because nothing ever looked crazier than the son of god the son of the living god hanging on a cross but jesus knew there was a bigger plan and 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 he knew that he had to trust god in that plan and so as he died what is he saying he's saying this is it for me this is my last breath i'm literally going to die and so i have to trust father I have to trust God that though I'm gonna die, I can trust you with my life to do what you promised to do, even though I'm gonna die and be in a position where I can't do anything to change the situation. I am gonna trust you, Father. If there's gonna be a resurrection on the third day, we were singing about a resurrecting king, this is it, this is the story. If there's gonna be a resurrection on the third day, I have to trust you for that. I have to trust you for that because I'm gonna die. My life's ending right now. I'm gonna to to go down into the depths of the earth. I'm not gonna have the power on my own to do that apart from your voice calling me back to life. So Father, into your hands, I commit my life. Whoo. That was the attitude of Joseph and that's the victorious part of the whole story for us. It doesn't matter the circumstance that we're in. I, I hope you heard me say that like 50 times this morning. <laughs> no circumstance can keep us from saying to God, my life is in your hands. No circumstance. And listen to this. This is the thing that just blows me away. If I am willing to put my life into God's hands, God then has to take the responsibility of using my life for his glory. That's his part. That's his part. Because isn't it true that, that we get to places in life and we're convinced, God, there's no way that you're gonna come through in this moment. You know, There's no way that you're gonna do anything for good in this moment. And then we try to start to try to manipulate. This is what we do, we try to step in and we try to fix things, right? Because you know, it's our flesh, we're, we're fixers sometimes and we try to do it. Manipulate the situation, we're gonna try to get out ourselves of the pit, we're gonna try to climb or try to figure out how to change all the dynamics when sometimes we can't change much at all other than our willingness Of saying, God, I put my life in your hands. I I commit myself. And he says, that's all I'm asking you to do. Now, I'm gonna be responsible to use it for my glory. Okay, second thing, big takeaway for me, and and the others are are much more fast. The the second big takeaway for me is that all throughout the story, and if you read the whole story, you'll see it, um, it says that God was with Joseph, right? We we stopped at that scripture. God was with Joseph. Joseph. And so don't let the enemy come to the back door today and say, hey, God doesn't love you. God, God doesn't care about you. He's forgotten about you. And how many we've, we've, we've been in those places. God, if God were with you, you know, the circumstances would be different. That's what the enemy likes to say. If God were really with you, you wouldn't be in this circumstance, right? No, God loves you. Hear that today, God loves you, God is for you, God has a plan for you, and even in the circumstance, just like Joseph, God is with you. He is with you, capital W-I-T-H, he is with you. Write that down, he is with you. Don't forget that, he is with you. He's with us in the hole, he's with us with the gypsies, he's with us in the auction block, he's with us in Potiphar's house even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. Come on, somebody. He's with us when we are faced with temptation in the bedroom. He's, he's, he's with us when we get thrown down in the jail. He's with us when you know, we interpret the dreams. He speaks to us. He gives us voice uh, to the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. He was with us when we got forgotten by the cupbearer. And he's with us when we're called back into the upper court of the Pharaoh. He's with us in the seven days of plenty. He's with us in the seven years of lean. He's with us when the brothers come back. He's with us the whole time. And it, and it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change uh, our circumstances, but it changes something to know that God Almighty, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe is with you. Isn't it good? You know, it, let me say this. It isn't good when we create a Christianity that says everything's gonna be better. Everything's gonna come up roses and everything's gonna always work out because just put your faith in Jesus and all your dreams are gonna come true exactly the way you thought. That's, that's not the reality, We see this in Joseph's life right here. We live on a broken planet and we're following a savior who is crucified in the middle of the day. And sometimes circumstances on this earth don't add up to the exact dream that we thought, you know, the exact life that we thought. But that doesn't mean that God isn't with us. And that's it. That's a game changer. It's a comeback in and of itself. So the third thing, takeaway from Joseph is that wherever you are today, I wanna encourage you to offer God your very, very best. We see this in Joseph's life, right? Don't take the attitude that says, hey, you stabbed me in the back. I, you stabbed me in the back and so now I'm, I'm stuck in this job at the, the company at this lower level and I should have that job at the company and so I'm just gonna go and kind of go through the motions and I don't really care anymore. The company wasn't fair to me. You weren't fair to me so there's bitterness setting in so you know, I'm not gonna be fair to the company and that's not God's way. It's if God is with you even though you've been overlooked or you got stabbed in the back or you got a job taken away through, God is still with you. And if God is with you, you're carrying his glory, right? As long as God is still with you, you're still doing your best because God is with you. (laughs) And so God's right there with you in the process. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're in a pit or if you're with the gypsies right now or if you're in the auction block or if you've been falsely accused, if you've been forgotten, if you're down in the dungeon hole, and you, you, you try to right the wrong, yes. But in the process of it, do your best wherever you are because there's still a plan that's unfolding, right? And somebody's got their eyes on you, they're watching and there are probably more people that got their eyes on you in that pit than have their eyes on you when you were coming down the road with that multicolored coat on. Think about that. I think the fourth lesson coming out of this for me is to be gracious to people when the tide turns. To be gracious to people because we know you know, we're in the plan of God, not the plan of me. You know, we all love the comeback story. We love the comeback stories because we love to get back in the, in the position, right? We, 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 can, we can go back to the brothers and say, hey, I'm going to have a little meeting right now. And, and, and we're going to talk this through and just see all of, how all of this went. And then I'm going to stick it to all of you. <laughs> I, I call a gathering of the, the brothers to stick it to all of you. Like, have you ever seen that before? We've seen that before probably in the workplace, but, you know, you're, but you're sticking it to somebody who's unfair to you in the process of coming back. And I just wanna encourage you maybe to think about it today that God brought you back. God brought you back and it's, it's okay in freedom to go to that person and say, you know what? Um, God's in charge of my life. I don't know if you say this part, not you. (laughs) But God's God's got my life. So I believe God is in charge of the arc of my life and it's not you. I just want you to know that you're free from any animosity from me. It's okay. You know, you're free from that. Or you might have to deal with the courts and you might have to say, I'm not in charge of the, the circumstances. I'm just telling you for me personally, I forgive you. I'm gonna let it go because I'm in God's story, not your story. I'm, I'm in a bigger story. My purpose, I know my purpose. I, I know he's got a bigger plan. You, you don't have control of my life. God has control of my life. It's powerful to extend grace once we come back. Okay, then the last takeaway is just that your struggle is for somebody else's salvation. Bob, you can come on up. Last one is that your struggle is for somebody else's salvation. When... Joseph revealed himself to his brothers for the first time before his father died, Um, chapter 45, verse 4. Look at what it says. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. As though they'd forgotten who their brother Joseph was, but I like the emphasis there. He said, and do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Now, what kind of thinking is that? God sent me before you to preserve your life. That's a miraculous, I want you to hear this. This is a miraculous, supernatural, I'm in a bigger God story kind of thinking right there when he says that. That's a powerful kind of thinking. That's the kind of thinking that says my job, my life, my job every day is just to put my life in your hands. That's my my part. It's God's job every day to use my circumstances for his glory, whatever the circumstance, that's his part. My responsibility, my life is in your hands. Do with it what you will. God, I am yours, I commit my spirit. Now you're gonna to have to come through the circumstances. You're gonna to have to find a way. You're a way maker, that's what you do, that's who you are. And, and the circumstances are kind of in a mess right now. You're, you're gonna to have to find a way through this mess to bring glory to you. And all I can do by your grace is just get my life in your hands for one more day. That's crazy kind of thinking, it really is. That, but that's God kind of thinking. It's supernatural thinking. That's miraculous thinking right there. He says, this was all to save lives. All of this, this, that God sent me ahead of you. Verse six, for the famine has been in the land these two years. They didn't know how it was gonna go down. And there are yet five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor, par- nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. Do you know what Jesus himself, Jesus himself was born in a manger from the very lineage of these people in the story. That if these people die in the famine in Canaan, there's no lineage that brings a savior, right? That we can sing about here at Destiny this morning, that we give glory to. God God was working a really big plan, his plan, his story. And that we were in the plan of God that he was working on this day. And when I see Joseph, this is what I want to say. Thank you for being in that pit. <laughs> thank you for being faithful with the gypsies and thank you for being faithful in Potiphar's house. And thank you for being faithful when you were falsely accused. And thank you for not failing in that moment in the first place. Thank you for being faithful in the jail and thank you for being faithful with Pharaoh. And thank you for being the kind of person that when you, know, when you come back in your comeback story, you give all glory to God. When we're in the grace of God because of Jesus. And Jesus was born on earth because of the line that came through Jacob. It's a bigger story that's going on. And I say this with every ounce of sensitivity in my heart because I cannot feel everybody's pain in this room, but I know there is some. But trust me. I've felt some pain in my life too. We've been there, right? A lot of us, you know, maybe we're in it right now. And when you are suffering... God can always turn it for the good. That's what he does. He can always use it for somebody else's salvation too. When you're suffering, it could be somebody else's saving, hanging in the balance too. It's not about me. My life is not about me. It's all about Jesus being known. And he said, God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you. Isn't that powerful? When when you Put me down in the hole. God sent me ahead of you. When they saw me as a slave in Potiphar's house, God was sending me ahead of you. When I was sent to jail, God was sending me ahead of you. When the cupbearer forgot me and left me behind, God was sending me ahead. God, the whole time, was positioning me for your salvation. God was positioning me to save Egypt and to save Canaan and to save dad and to save all of you guys. God was positioning me the whole time for saving all these people. So what happens? We're reading the story and the light bulb is going off for us. And we're like, he said, don't worry and be faithful. Don't be afraid. I forgive you. And I'm thinking, did somebody else say that? Did somebody else say that? It was Jesus hanging on the cross, right? We just, we just heard the story looking down at his crucifiers saying, forgive them father, because they don't know what they're doing. It was Jesus, the night he was arrested, he was put down in a dungeon cell. Think about this. He was put down in a dungeon cell in the high priest's house alone. On the night before he faced his death, it was Jesus who was abandoned. It was Jesus who was forgotten. It was Jesus who was sold out. It was Jesus who was stabbed in the back. At the end of the day, it was Jesus who hung alone and took the suffering for the whole world to bring salvation to many because God sent him ahead of us. (laughs) God sent him ahead of us. The whole time he was on earth, he had been sent ahead for our benefit, that God through him could bring great deliverance and great salvation to us. And Jesus was willing to do that for us. And Joseph is teaching us that today. He's leading us, uh, teaching us that our struggle might not be just for us, right? So that doesn't mean that we're all glib. We're not talking about... Christian bumper stickers that say, you know, praise the Lord. It it, it doesn't mean that all of us wake up and say, you know, bring me more struggle because that means more people are going to, you know, be working through salvation. That's not it. No, none of us eagerly run into the face of battle, but we know when the battle comes that God is working a greater purpose in our lives. That's it. That's the story of Joseph. And it's a lot of our stories. And a lot of our dreams just seem to go up in smoke. And I believe God brought Joseph into our story today and he brought Jesus back from the grave just to remind us today that he loves us in the loss and is with us in the loss. But he's not finished with us yet. God is not finished with you yet. I don't know what you've lost, but I do know this. I know that God isn't finished with you yet. Would you stand just as we close this morning? And you may not run, you know, the exact race that you thought you were going to run in the exact same way that you thought you were going to run it, but I'm encouraging you to still run it. <laughs> uh, you're still in the race and, and uh, God still has a race for you. It might not be the one that you thought was coming around the corner. It might be look a little different, but he still has a plan for you. And I believe he's saying, don't worry. Heaven has a plan for you. Heaven still has you a plan for you. And I think the step for us today, the step, if you want an action step for today is to say, God, you know my circumstances. You know what I'm living in right now. You know the, you know, the diagnosis that came. You know the, the, the pit that I'm in, but I'm just gonna put it all in your hands and I'm gonna live my life for you today. My life is committed. Let's pray. My life, Jesus, I commit into your hands my whole life. No matter what I'm going through, no matter the situation, no matter the hardship, no matter the pit, no matter the the cell, no matter the story. God, I commit my life to your hands. You're the bigger story. You're the bigger purpose in my life. God, I give it all to you today. In your mighty name we pray, amen.